How, how many of you have ever experienced that in your life, that God's plan is better than the plan that you had come up with originally? It just, it's so much better when you let Him have His way. Thank you, Lord. Just keep doing it, God, in the life of our church, in, the, in our individual lives, Lord. Man, it's Christmas. I, I wanted to talk about Christmas this morning. And uh, we have. We have been. It's, I mean, what, I heard a preacher say recently, what is the spirit of Christmas, if not the spirit of Jesus moving in this place? And that's, that's what it is. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not just sharing happy holiday blessings with people. We're releasing the spirit of God wherever we go because that's what Christmas is. We're, we're supposed to be living Christmas every day of the year, but I think especially this season, we just need to be mindful of Hey, let me tell you, those, those holiday blessings or those things that you're wishing me or talking about, let me tell you the truth behind them. And here it is. You know, it's the Spirit of God, and Jesus loves you, and He wants to encounter you. Man, I, I'm going to get to my notes here. All right. Yeah, let's do that. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 6. If you... uh have your Bible, you can turn there. Also, they'll put it up on the wall behind me. In the first part of Isaiah chapter 6. I, th- I thought this morning to, when I'm thinking about the coming of the Lord in the Christmas season, I find that it's a little bit more impactful. Or it's a little, uh, it hits home a little deeper to think about where Jesus came from before we even get to the Christmas story. So that's, that's where I wanted to start this morning. Before we get to the, the, the hills of Bethlehem and the, and the manger scene, I want to talk about where was Jesus? Where did he come from? And, and choose to leave to come to this reality. So in Isaiah chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I I like the message translation says, Holy, holy is the Lord God of the angel armies. The whole earth is full of his bright glory. It's just amazing to think about. It says, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And I thought, man, that's, that's like a superpower or something. I'd love to have that. You know, when, you're, when you speak your words, the doorposts shake, and the threshold shakes, and the temple's filled with smoke. And you know what? There is a reality to that in the Spirit that happens when you release your words. Yeah. There are things that shake and move and the glory of the Lord comes when you begin to speak with the authority that you've been given. You know, and, and in this passage, it's kind of interesting. It goes on. We see what happens to Isaiah. Isaiah gets undone. He, he starts seeing this and, and hearing the voices and seeing the things shake. And he says, woe is me. I'm in trouble. I'm, a, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. In essence, Isaiah is saying, man... I've been, I've been delivering the wrong message. I've been speaking out of the earth realm, and now I see a reality presented before me, and it's, it's like I give up, God. I don't even know what to do. My, my whole ministry that I had built, 
I see what the reality is and it, it's worthless. I'm undone. And I think that's an encouragement for us this morning. There, there is power in our words and we need to decide which realm we're going to speak out of. And I think Isaiah's eyes were open and he said, man, that's, that's the report I want to carry now. Here, here am I. I'll go, Lord. Here am I. Send me. I'll, I'll tell people about this because this is something worth talking about. So I looked at that passage, I, th- I thought this morning, you know, man, that's, that's awesome that Jesus was there. There's this atmosphere of heaven happening. And I thought, there's no sin in heaven, right? Right? <laughs> I'm just checking. This is not a trick question. This is not a quiz. There's no sin in heaven, right? So, so there's no lying in heaven, right? So if, if these creatures, these seraphs are in the heavenly realms and they're calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. So if there's no lying in heaven, that must be a true statement. Right? It's it's like geometry. I'm giving you the givens and then we're proving something. That must be a a true statement, right? The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, the problem comes in because our tendency is not to see the heavenly things. We look at the earth realm. And instead of our report being the whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord, we say, man, the whole earth is full of my drug-addicted neighbors. The the whole earth is full of broken homes. Come on, you you can fill in that blank probably. The whole earth is full of selfish people that are angry and take advantage of one another. We, we begin to confess things with our lips of what we're seeing in the earth realm. We need to have an experience like Isaiah where he grabs a hold of us and says, Hey, hey, the report is, the truth of the reality is the whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord. And if we as Christian people that have an experience with Jesus and a relationship with him can't start seeing that and living it and proclaiming it, then you know what? The earth is going to be full of our drug-addicted neighbors and our broken homes and our abused children. There is, there is a change that yes. needs to come out. It needs to come from the people of God beginning to declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. I choose to come into agreement with what's being proclaimed in the heavens yeah. so that it will become a reality here in the That's earth. Right. That's right. Yes. There is a truth in that that we have to embrace and let it change our lives and live in such a way that there is another prophet later that Habakkuk says in chapter 2, verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. You see the change there? The, the truth and the reality is we see in Isaiah the seraphs are proclaiming holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of His glory, but nobody knows about it. And the promise is the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So somewhere a transition will occur that people will begin to become aware of, wow, the whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord. I'm, I'm living here in the middle of this mess, in this dark situation. I need to begin to realize the whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord. Let me begin to declare that and see a change come in my circumstances. So that eventually the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge. People will become aware that the glory of the Lord is all around us. So, if that's the reality and that's the promise, who makes that happen? 
That's a good answer right there. The church makes that happen. If, if it was just up to God and His sovereignty, it would have happened already. He would have come down with all His angels flying around and His glory and His brightness and sat down in the middle and said, Look, everybody, here I am. The reality is it's, it's that way in heaven and His people need to begin to declare it here in the earth and see it happen. So how do I know that? Another verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They can't see the glory. The earth isn't filled yet with the knowledge of the glory of God because they can't see it. Their eyes have been blinded. He says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. Now watch this. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine where? In our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We carry the light of the knowledge of the glory of God because we are in Christ. And, and that is part of our responsibility is to begin to proclaim it to the world and let it come through our lives. We need to help people see the unseen. That's right. We, we That's are right. the instruments right. that God will use to take that blindness off of the unbeliever's eyes and let them see, wow, I've been living here in this mess, but I realize now the earth is full of the glory of the Lord. I, I see a reality that I didn't see before. But in order for us to help the world see what's unseen, we need to be seeing it ourselves first. That's why Scripture tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. It tells us to look at heavenly things and keep our minds fixed there because we have to see it first before we can help others see it. If, if the church isn't living in the reality of the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord, then the earth's in a lot of trouble. That's a good amen point. Because in Habakkuk, he goes on later in chapter 3, he, he says the famous passage about if the fig tree doesn't bud, if, if the grapes don't come on the vine, if there's nothing in the field, he says, yet I will rejoice in God my Savior. How can he say that? Because he's choosing to live, hey, I know that the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. And it doesn't matter what I see in the circumstances around me. How could a contemporary translation of Habakkuk could say, you know, though there is no money in the bank account, though there is no food in the pantry. Come on, I'm, I'm, this is rubber meets the road. Though, though my, my in-laws haven't come to know Jesus yet, though, though my neighbors are still living in sin, yet I will rejoice in God my Savior. I know there is a reality that trumps what I see with my natural eyes. That's hard. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sugarcoating it. It is hard to be in the midst of that and make that choice to say, I'm going to focus on you, Lord. I'm going to believe the heavenly reality over what I'm seeing with my eyes. That's part of why we need to come together to encourage one another. Come on. All right, so that's, that was like a little sidetrack, but that's where Jesus was. He's seated on his throne, high and exalted, his trains filling the temple, uh, that's, that's one picture of it. There's another one in Ezekiel chapter 1. Uh, starting in chapter 1 of Ezekiel, it says, In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kibar River, 
the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Man, I want to I write something like that in my diary one day. You know, in the, in the 20th day of the month of December of the year 2010, I was in Elliot with all the believers, and the heavens were opened, and yeah. I saw visions of God. Yeah. Come on. You know, that, that is something, you could come to that place where you say, man, on whatever day and whatever month and whatever year, I'm sitting at my kitchen table looking at this pile of bills in the empty cupboards and the heavens were open and I saw visions of God and He showed me things that sustained me. He showed me things that, that helped me change my circumstances, that, that took the reality I was living in and replaced it with His reality. So Ezekiel goes on, he sees crazy stuff, man. He sees creatures flying around with all these faces and eyes and wheels within a wheel and, and fire and things. But I wanted to pick up down verse 22. He says, spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like an expanse, sparkling like ice and awesome. So Ezekiel was the first one to <laughs> declare awesomeness over the Lord. Man, under the expanse, their wings were stretched out one toward the other, and each had two wings covering its body. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. Then there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the expanse over their heads was what looked like a throne of sapphire. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. Man, who do you think that was? Come on. I saw from what appeared to be his waist up that he looked like glowing metal as if full of fire. And that from there down he looked like fire and brilliant lights surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Yes. When I saw it, I fell face down and I yeah. heard the voice of yeah. one speaking. It, amazingly, all these people over centuries apart that have encounters with heaven that see the Lord, they all see similar visions. It's bright. It's full of fire. It's, there's light. There's the voice of the Lord resounding. There's sounds and colors that they can hardly describe. In fact, uh, Ezekiel, he puts it this way, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. He, words couldn't even help him describe what he was seeing. All he could do is, I can tell you, this is what it seemed to look like that was similar to what it looked like that the glory of the Lord is that I saw. Can you imagine seeing something like that that you, you can't even come up with words? I'm, I'm out. I just, I'll tell you the, the most amazing thing I can think of, fiery metal guy that, you know, is sitting in glowing clouds, but even that, I, I can't tell you what it looked like because it was so amazing. I thought it was, it was interesting. If you go on and read that passage of Ezekiel, he's receiving his commission from the Lord, and over and over again, God tells him, don't be afraid of men. And I think that's part of why Ezekiel had that encounter because he needed to remind himself of, whoa, no matter what these guys say they're doing to me, this is awesome. This is the power that's backing me up. This is the reality of God and his kingdom. It's a good word. It's a good word. In fact, if you look throughout Scripture, the realm of heaven is never shown as a far-off, hard-to-get-to place. 
it's always shown as something that's near enough that all we need that's to right. do is have our eyes opened. That's right. Come on, think about it. Elijah turns around and prays for his servant. <laughs> God, open his eyes so he can see what I see. <sighs> Whoa, where'd all those, the hills full of fiery chariots and horsemen and armies, where'd they come from? Well, it's, it's the realm of heaven and it's right here around us and you just need to have your eyes open to see it. Come on, we're, we're Christians. That's, that's our realm. That's the inheritance we have. That's where we live. That's where we're seated with Christ and we get to draw out of that realm. How, all right, how about another one? In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, John's having this vision of the Lord. It says I, in chapter 1, verse 12, it says, I turned around to see the voice. Man, did you ever think about that? I'm going to see the voice. How's that work? I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace. There's that metal fiery guy again. Burning eyes and feet that glow like bronze in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. Who's he talking about there? Jesus. Just as an aside, that's what the book of Revelation is about. It's, yeah. it's the revealing of Jesus. Yeah. It's not the revealing of the scary headlines and the end of the world. That's it right. says that's it's right. the revelation of Jesus. On. Later on, in chapter 4 of the same book, verse 2, it says, At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Man, we were singing about God being the beginning and the end. And I, because I didn't know what they were, I looked up jasper and carnelian, the stones. They're very precious gemstones that have a color and appearance of fire. And they were the first and the last stone in the breastplate of the high priest. Just another symbol. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I've got it all under control. I know what you're going through. <laughs> so, <laughs> it sure is. Man, Scripture talks about us being jewels in His crown. That's, man, you guys are awesome. It says a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. You know, there, his promise comes back around. There's that rainbow again. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass as clear, clear as crystal. This is a picture of where Jesus lives. 
and pictures yeah. of who he is, what, yeah. what he really looks like, yeah. not what you see yeah. in the paintings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy, that's not his real look, okay? Now, now, when he came on the earth, he probably looked more like an Arab guy with, yeah. you know, that olive color skin maybe yeah. and maybe a long beard, I don't know. But, but even that wasn't his real look. That's, that's the, the tent, the tabernacle, the body he used while he walked on earth. Yeah. That's what he really looks like, though. Yeah. He's full of fire. His eyes are blazing like coals. He is glorious to behold when you see him. That's who he is, and that's the dimension he lived in since before time was created. When we get a hold of that reality, that makes the choice he made. Come on, would you leave that for anything? But we lit that love candle this morning because that love compelled him to say, I'm going to set this aside for now and I'm going to come and walk on the earth as one of my creation. That's stunning. That, that ought to make the season of Advent all the more amazing. So he leaves that place and he comes down in the book of Luke and it says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. Here we have Joseph and Mary and they've received word from God through angelic visitations an amazing gift is inside the womb of Mary. And Caesar issues this decree that they have to go take this journey to Bethlehem. And we, we gloss over that passage like it's saying, hey, let's go from Elliot over to the north side. How many of you know that that trip was a little more difficult than that? He says they journeyed from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It was, it was approximately 65 to 70 miles. It would be like going from here to Morgantown, maybe. Anybody real excited about taking that trip on foot, donkey, or camel, whatever they happen to have? What about for any of you women that have been pregnant in your third trimester? You don't even want to get in the car for a 60-mile ride. You know... We're, we're five minutes down the road. Can we find a rest stop, please? It's only 60 miles. I know, but I got to go now. Not even in a car. They're, they're on foot, on donkey, on camel with, with a woman in her third trimester of pregnancy dealing with we got to go on this journey over the mountains, not through the woods to grandmother's house, but arduous, hard, difficult, the journey that she's on would not be comfortable for us to make even in modern times, let alone what they went through. I, I can just hear, can you hear Mary just being like a pregnant woman? Joseph, why did your family line have to be from Bethlehem? Why, why couldn't they have been from Cana or Nain? They're, you know, they're right up the road from, from Nazareth. Why? Bethlehem? Come on, they were real people. And she was really pregnant. And 
and had all the stuff that goes along with being pregnant. Joseph, can you stop at 7-Eleven and get me some pickles and whipped cream? All I know is it was hard. And, and so before Jesus even comes on the scene, it's difficult. Picking up in Luke 2, verse 6, it says, while they were there, so they made it to, to Bethlehem, they finished their journey, it says, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. For all your, for all your Catholic friends, firstborn denotes that she had other children. So firstborn means firstborn. She laid him in a manger. Everybody knows what a manger was, right? A, a manger was a food trough for animals. So they are staying in this place next to the inn. So this, this is like you go downtown and the, the manager says, oh, we don't have any room for you inside, but you can sleep out by the dumpster and back. You know, or it's not even as clean as go sleep in the parking garage. It's more like go sleep in the dumpster. You know, this, this was a place where they parked all their animals, all those donkeys and camels that they rode over the hill in the valley, whatever. They put them in this place to rest. You know what that means? Come on, some of you pet owners, you know what that means. It smelled bad. There was poop everywhere. We can be real, right? Poop's okay, right, Mom? Uh, oh, come on, this side. That's why we let the kids go downstairs first. I mean, can you picture this place? It's, it's poop covered, it stinks, it's filthy. It is not a sterile birthing room, no matter how many halos they put on Mary and Joseph and all the paintings. It was nasty. It, it's the kind of place where you, you take your kids to go visit the farm and you tell your kids, Matt, watch where you step and don't touch anything. You, that's dirty. I got Purell in the car. You know, don't. Come on, that's the kind of place it was. And she had a baby. That guy, the, the glowing metal fiery guy with the eyes and the feet, and he was born in the middle of the filth of our humanity. And the good news we take out of that is no matter what mess and filth is in our lives, he wants to manifest himself right in the middle of it. There's so many of us that we think, God, either I don't want you to come <laughs> because of this mess, or God, you won't come because of this mess. And he's sitting there saying, I want to come. That's, that's the, the place I was born to be. That, that is why I came. I came to this realm so that you could access that realm. The, the, the place that Ezekiel saw when his eyes were open and the place that Isaiah saw. That's, I came in the middle of your mess so that you could live in the glory that I came from.
And while this is all taking place, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, doing their duty. This is, this is what shepherds do. Like any other night, they're, they're thinking, you know, everybody remember to count the sheep. We got them all together. Okay, you know, just normal life was happening. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. This hadn't happened ever since I remember keeping sheep. <laughs> the reality is supernatural stuff accompanies the coming of the Lord. It, it bothers, it upsets the apple cart of our normal of the routine that we're going through in life that we're thinking, hey, this is just what we've done every other night. We got the sheep together. Jesus comes and stuff begins to happen. And sometimes it's scary. God, God's, the things that he does, the encounters we have, sometimes the things he asks us to do can be terrifying. But regardless of our station in life, whether we're shepherds in the field or kings in the east, we need to be yeah. seeking his yeah. coming yeah. and, and in embracing everything that goes along with it. God, I want you to invade the mess of my life. Yes. And no matter what you want to bring with it, I embrace it. Yeah. God, it, it might scare me to have your dealings come into my life right now and have to uproot some of these things, but I long for it, Lord. I, I embrace everything that you want to do in my life. Sometimes it scares us to let go of things because we got control. Even though we don't. We're, we're living in our mess thinking we got everything just exactly where it's supposed to be, and it's a mess. Everybody around you knows it's a mess. God knows it's a mess. But we think we're in control. And sometimes it's terrifying to say, Lord, I'm going to let you come in and begin to change this around. But the end result of his advent in our lives, of his supernatural activity coming and beginning to, to blow up things around us, it says the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born yes. to you. He is Christ the Lord. Yes. You know what? There is a reality that's coming. When He is Christ the Lord, whoa, there's the, the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. When the angels come and announce it, they're beginning to say, hey, that glory that was the reality in heaven, it's beginning to be manifested here in the earth. Hey, shepherds, I want you to go begin to trumpet and announce this to the world because when you do that, you're helping that prophecy come to pass that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Jesus Christ came upon the scene, the Savior of the world, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And that's where I want to close this morning is to tell you, you are the ones on whom his favor rests. Man, peace to you. Yes. Embrace the supernatural coming yes. of Jesus into yes. your life. Good. 
I think it's, it's so interesting. It says the heavenly host appeared with the angel. It doesn't even necessarily say that it was just other angels. It says the heavenly host. I, I think all of heaven was on alert. You know, the, the righteous that had died in, in the Old Testament history, the, the seraphs, the cherubim, the other. I think the whole company of heaven decided to show up and give glory to God for what he was doing. The choice that he made to leave that reality where he was and come and be born in a manger, in a filthy stable. And there, there's no lying in heaven. Man. <laughs> That's good news. He came and he lived that life. You can, you can go read the rest of the story when you go home. And he ascended back to where he was. And sat down at the right hand of the Father. And was crazy enough to sit us there with him. Come on. I am going to dismiss in a minute. If you want to go and you need to go, you will be welcome to go. <laughs> and, and you'll go with God's favor on you and the blessings and peace. But I'm also going to open the altar. And I'm going to ask the altar ministry team to, to come up and be ready to minister. If, if you've been in a place where you feel like, God, this mess would prevent you from coming in my life. You know, whether, whether the mess is physical circumstances we're dealing with or we, we've heaped up a, a whole stable full of sin and it's just a mess. I don't even know where to start cleaning it out. But I need, God, you to come and manifest your presence in the middle of my circumstance. That's what we're going to open the altar for this morning. And we're, we're just going to ask the, the altar ministry team just to pray, Lord, come. Yeah. And Holy Spirit, yeah. invade. Yeah. Let, let your... Whatever you want to do, Lord, we're not even going to put a name on it, Lord. Just come and invade this, this person's life. We're going to expect him to show up the same way that he was faithful because of love to show up in the middle of that mess. He'll still show up today in the middle of our circumstances. Let's go ahead and stand. <clears throat> Yeah, if, if the altar team wants to come and just get ready, Calvin, you, you can put something on quietly for music and I'll pray to dismiss and then we'll open the, the altar for ministry. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, God. God, we thank you for your coming.